right, we are going to take our seats in a moment. Before we do that, let's quickly take our declaration of understanding, as we usually do. If you are ready for that, give me an amen. Amen. All right, I want to let's go. Now I declare. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. God is entering my heart, giving me light and direction. He's healing me in every area, and he's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. I said amen. Amen. I prophesy to everyone paying attention to this, that light will flood your heart afresh. Every confusion is banished in the name of Jesus. Light and understanding have come to you in the name of Jesus. The glory of God will be seen over you. Your path will be full of light. Now, healing is your portion. Healing is your portion. You will receive a miracle. You know, healing can be gradual. Miracle is dramatic. It's instantaneous. Makes you wonder what happened. So what's a wonder? That which makes people wonder. You will receive a wonder in Jesus' name. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Let's learn how to pray, and let's pray. Let's read um, two portions of the scriptures to start. Today, we have been looking at the walking of prophecy. And remember, this is what prophecy does. Prophecy is a declaration of the plan of God. Prophecy is that God wants to do this, and then he declares it ahead. Amos said to us, Surely the Lord God does nothing except he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. Why does he have to do that? I'll tell you, because it is necessary. Why does he have to do that? Because it is important. Because his counsel will not be fulfilled except there is prophetic cooperation. That's the way it works. The counsel of God will not be fulfilled except there is prophetic cooperation. So what he does is to, first of all, reveal what he wants to do to people. Those people are called his prophets. The first generation of those that hear his uh, plan and declare to the other people are called the prophets of God. That's what prophets really are. They see into the heart of God. All right? Now, what they say, like I said before, is not just a prediction. It is not just that by so and so and so dates, this will happen. No, it is that this is the plan of God. They say it and they walk away. What that implies is that you and I will now get up and do our part in bringing that to pass. The reason is because the heavens are the heavens of the Lord. The earth he has what? Given, all right, to us, sons of men. So that's why prophets come out. They declare the plan of God. They declare that which God wants to do. It's important, all right? Now, we said the last time, we have not come here to play, that is, to this earth. What we are doing is walking with God. What we are doing is what? Walking with God. There are many things that God wants us to do. There are things he has done. And in fact, that one, I found the first time I stumbled into it, I was wondering what Paul was talking about. But later on, I now understood. He said, I'm doing my share in that to supply that which is lacking in the sacrifice, the sufferings of Jesus, and I was like, excuse me, excuse me. Hey, 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 hey. From what I know, that was a perfect offering. From what I know, it was a perfect sacrifice. 
from what I know, they did not forget to kill one part of him. They did not forget one part of him that he did, that he didn't die. He died perfectly, completely. That's a final sacrifice. What would Paul mean to say he is supplying that which is lacking? How can you be supplied? In fact, with what effrontery did you utter that statement? Where did you get it from? That boldness that something is lacking. It's the kind of thing that makes some preachers say that Paul was not in the spirit when he wrote that portion. I heard a preacher say something that John was not in the spirit when he said saw Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. That when he heard them say that the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed, he said Jesus is not a lion. He's a lamb. He said the fact that you are in the spirit does not mean you are seeing clearly or hearing properly. That John was, I mean, you know, the Igbo he smoked last week was still working when he went into that vision. Now, I didn't say that one. I'm the one adding it to it now. <laughs> but every other thing he said, I, I, I quoted that he said, he actually did. Those are the times you want to wonder that who said this? When I was a young Bible student, those days on campus, they taught us about the inspired portions of the Bible and the non-inspired portions. Somebody tried to explain some things to us. So when you're in the Bible, you should know the portion that is inspired and the portion that is not inspired. Let us clarify that. All scripture. All. You don't understand it does not mean it's not inspired. It is your mind that is not yet inspired. It is your understanding that is not yet enlightened. All scripture is inspired. Some say that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes because he was backslidden. When God opened my eyes, I saw it to be one of the best books ever written on this earth. One of the greatest books of scripture. It wasn't backsliding. All you need to do is observe life. You will know that that man spoke deep wisdom. People still get PhDs in things that Solomon already explained. In simple terms. They go to school. They do four years of psychology. They do advanced psychology. Go to PhD and study human, you know, at the end of the day, you read everything they've been studying up and down. It's in two lines. Solomon said it. You don't understand does not mean it's not inspired. I hope you're getting my point. So Paul said that I was wondering, why would you say to us that there's something lacking in the sacrifice of Jesus until I realized that yes, indeed, it's not the sacrifice that is lacking. It's the effect in the lives of the people. It's how can they believe except they hear? How can they hear except there's a preacher? How can somebody preach except he is sent? That's what it was said. That Jesus paid that perfect price, offered a perfect sacrifice, but it's of no good to them except they hear. So he gets up every day and goes around to make sure everybody hears. So we can say, what are we doing here this evening? We are, fulfilling, we are filling in that part that is missing. Because if you don't hear it, it's of no benefit. If you hear it and you don't believe, which means to act Accept it so much, it provokes you to action. It's also of no benefit to you. So you also, that here, must supply that which is missing. What is that which is missing? Your faith. The word preached did not profit them. Why? It was not mixed with faith in the heart of those that heard. So before the sacrifice of Jesus will be effective in anybody's life, before a prophetic word will be effective, first, the object of the prophecy must hear. So the person going to tell is fulfilling a part. The person who's hearing the prophecy must believe. So the hearer of the prophecy is fulfilling a part. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, 
Now, that is what brings the prophecy to pass. It's not a prediction so that you come to pass whether you like it or not. Many years ago, a man prophesied. Now, please, I'm not trying to say that the man was right or wrong. But, you see, when you're analyzing things you don't understand, be very, very careful. If you don't understand something, just leave it. So one bishop in Lagos, one big bishop, I remember his name, I just want to tell you, I don't even know who he was. Okay, that was, this was years ago, I'm telling you about over 20 years ago. The man prophesied, and the, his church published the prophecy in the papers. So somebody now began to analyze, the, how can you call this prophecy? One of the things he said, it's a New Year prophecy. He said, many men will marry this year. Many women will marry this year. So it's like, excuse me, sir. I thought we, I mean, that happens all the time. Have you told us something new? So the, the newspaper analyst sat down and was explaining, please, just understand where is the prophetic thing here. Whether you say it or not, people marry. When you did not say it, they married. Even me, I laughed at that time. I didn't fully understand it was years later. Now, I don't know whether the church was right or wrong, but years later I understood that, no, the newspaper man should have just left the matter. He doesn't understand. It's a prophetic thing. When he says many people will marry this year, please, let me just say something to you quickly. All right? Quickly. Don't assume anything is natural. Every event is commanded. Do you hear what I said? Now, this is not supposed to be analysis of your feeding pattern. All right? But if you eat at least five times last week. Today is Tuesday. So between Sunday last week and Saturday, if you ate at least five times, that's you ate like at least once a day for five days out of seven. Please put up your hand. Please, not a big deal. I assume those. So, okay, those of you who are fasting 600 days fast, don't bother. But if you ate at all last week, at least five times, please put up your hand. I'm not saying one day, in the whole week. Look for those hands that didn't go up. Whether they are stubborn. You know there are some people, they will never put up their hands. Please. Put your hands down. Thank you very much. Now, if you think you will eat at least five times this week, today is Tuesday. Many of you are looking at Apostle Stomach. He has already done his five. <laughs> his five times already complete. <laughs> so this one I'm saying is here, okay? If you ask whether I'll eat up to 25 times, you are talking. <laughs> In the whole week. <laughs> if you think you will eat at least five times this week, all right, I've already done Tuesday, and I know many of you have done the five already, but let's just still join, just still join us. Just put up your hand, please. If you think you hit those five times. All right, please put down your hand. Now, I'm going to establish something very simple. That it looks like for you, eating is very regular. Yes. So you take it for granted, you will eat again next week. Now, that's what I want to debunk. It's not true. Eating is not taken for granted. Each meal is commanded. Each meal is a gift. Each meal is a blessing. Each breath. I was even talking about food. I should have gone to breathing issue. Since you came in here, I don't know how many scores of times you have breathed. If you had rest, you probably breathe about 10 times a minute. But you have to climb. We know we're on the top floor here. You climbed. <laughs> By the time you were sitting down, you were breathing 20 times a minute. Don't think each, that breathing is natural. Each breath is a gift of God. Each breath is a gift of God. Don't ever forget it. So if it ever comes to your mind, give thanks. That's why the Lord Jesus never ate food without giving thanks. Each meal is a gift of God. Bread is a gift of God. Ground nuts, you just buy it in traffic, 59. God told an angel to go and give you a pack of ground nuts. 
hey, let me sit on it for a moment. Don't take food for granted. Don't take water for granted. Angels have had to save you before in traffic. You did not know. You did not realize how critically close to death you were because you had not eaten. But God knew. You made somebody stop by and offer you something, and you ate. Don't take it for granted. Give thanks each time. That's the point I've had to make. Give thanks each time. Now, let's get back to what we're saying. So, the, pro- the, the reporter just assumed uh, that people might all understand. So, which one is the prophecy here? You know why? He thought it was a prediction. Many people thought the man was predicting, but he wasn't predicting. If every breath is a commandment, if every meal is commanded, so you don't realize that every wedding has to be commanded. Some will laugh at it. The man wasn't joking. When he said, many will marry this year, you will say, amen. You have activated marriage for yourself or for your friend. That word that went into the air, you have trapped it and placed it beside you. Say, hey, you stay here with me. Manifest in this place. Okay, you're already married. You trap it and keep it near you. You shake a friend's hand. You impart it into him, into her. Spiritual things are real, it's not when you go to Babala Way Shrine that you are tapping into spiritual matter. It's not when you come to church and vibrate. Hey, 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 die by fire. It is not that. That's not, I'm telling you. Normal walking, that kind of thing. People don't know. They despise prophecy. That reporter despised prophecy. There was a particular reporter I heard of. She died from it. Um, this was in um, U.S., Canada. I mean, she operated between U.S. and Canada. I read her story and I looked at this girl. I said, you don't have sense. Her job was to go around investigating um, healing ministers that they are lying. While she was investigating healing ministers, one day she had pain in her tummy, and she went to the hospital after a few days. The pain wasn't going. It was a young woman, only for them to tell her that she had, I think, cancer of the um, gallbladder or the pancreas, one of those things there. And she made a statement. She said, I know they will say, God, place it on me because of what I was doing. I felt like, you know. You are saying they will say. But he did because of what he were doing. Are you stupid? It was his way to call you to repentance. You're undermining the faith of many. The God of healing was moving around. Even if you did not believe some of his ministers, don't mock holy things. People don't know. When the Bible says that blessed is the man who does not sit in the council, who does not um, walk in the council of the ungodly, sit in the seat of scoffers, stand in the path of sinners. You know, the problem is too many, too many versions. Yeah, it's, it's walk, stand, sit, but in part of who? That's one that too many versions cause too, many, too much confusion. All right? <laughs> Just really read it for me there. I'm going somewhere. It's comfort, the last one. Scoffers. Eh? Company of, I want to, that, 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 yes, scoffers. I'm looking for that word, scoffers. All right? Those are people that mock holy things. They mock holy things. That's the point I'm making. They mock holy things. The woman was going around not realizing that she was mocking holy things. And of course, the reverse of the blessing came upon her. Instead of her to repent, she was still, you know, she was still stubborn, arrogant. Ah, the coincidence was too much. If you understand it, the progression of her disease was rapid. 
One moment she was well. Next time they told her she had advanced cancer. From where? And she wrote this shortly before she died and said that she said, I said, this girl, God gave you the opportunity to discover him. You threw it away because of stubbornness of heart. You ask my opinion, did God strike her? Yes, he did. I know those who teach me say, no, you know, she placed her place, herself where the devil is nonsense. It was the Lord that was provoked. The same way he struck at Uza and Uza died. The same way he struck at Anayas and Safira and both of them died. He struck at her and she died. Why do you think God doesn't strike at people? He strikes people down. An angel came and struck Herod and he died. Don't even joke with it. The girl went around mocking holy things. Laughing at prophetic utterances. Utterances, not realizing that prophetic words are meant to stimulate something in your life and in your environment. You can hear it, they say it will happen, and never happens for 200 years. You can hear it, they say it will happen, and that's it. Your generation does not experience it for six generations, seven generations, eight generations. Because you thought it was a prediction. It wasn't a prediction. As trivial as that man's prophetic words sounded, he wrote a lot of things down. Many young men will buy cars this year. Many women will get jobs this year. He kept on writing. Of course, when he was saying, actually the church did something, they transcribed his prayers in the crossover night and all of that as he began to prophesy over the people. But when he now published it, they took a newspaper, you know, a full page, and published it. And people began to ridicule. They thought that prophecy was prediction. It wasn't prediction. It was letting you know what God wants to do. Step in. Tell you this is what God wants to do for people. Step in. Jump into that river. Get carried by that river of Zion. Wade in it. You know, let this, this healing water coming out of the temple, let it wash over you. That's what he was doing. But people began to mock. That young reporter was following preachers to mock at holy things. I should have told her, listen, leave that thing. Leave that thing. Don't, you know... One day, one of our brothers told me that he wanted to get himself. Some people called him to come and get involved in arresting fake preachers. But he was wise. He sent a message to me first. And I called me or something. I told somebody to tell me. I can't remember exactly how we communicated. And it's been a while. I told him, leave the matter alone. Such things are handled in prayer. They are handled, and I'm going to talk about that today. You handle them through prayer. An enemy has done this. Which was soon. Tears have been sown. Don't go around trying to uproot it by yourself. Handle it with prayer. Why am I talking about it today? Because if you are not careful, you will go against a foolish man who is genuine. Yeah. You, know, you can have people who are genuine but foolish. You'll be, you'll be so, you'll so you'll be like, is this guy is, is he a man of God? You'll be looking at him. He'll be misbehaving. Say, come and touch my garment now with 5,000 5, and you'll be healed. And you think he's joking. And 50 people who touched his garments with 5,000 5, naira. Three of them were sent by God to go and get healed. The foolish man said, you will collect the 5,000. Jesus said, don't worry, give him the 5,000. I will deal with him later. You just collect your healing. You hear me say some things about people. Listen, let me just tell you the truth. Eh? <laughs> God, I know what I'm saying. I don't open my mouth in every direction. I'm not talking about people who are not born again. No? Like your, is it, is it glory land or... Jumping lad. Now you talk I'm not with me. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. I don't like popularizing people. That's why when I'm preaching, I don't want to popularize anybody in my mind. But yes, you are right. Okay, so let's get it clear. So I know people are not born again. I'm not talking about them. Those ones I can't share anything. But if you are just tertiary born again like this, I leave you alone. Yeah. Yeah. Behind I will be angry. 
But on the, on the surface, I'll just be looking at you like, I say, bros, this thing you are doing, I don't think you should be doing it. But I won't fight and attack you. If you see people should touch your, you know, some of, people have told me before, this man said they should be touching his garment and this. I say, is it, eh? You want to touch? No, eh? Go now. Why must it become prayer, uh, the, the, the topic to both to be discussing? Because I know enough about diversities of manifestations. Yeah. I'm very careful. There are those who will do wrong. In their, wasn't somebody who lied, that old prophet lied to the small prophet. Yes, God spoke through the old lying prophet to the young prophet. <laughs> so I told my brother, I said, leave that matter. Handle such things in prayer. And you can't even do as well as God. If, <laughs> if God wants to handle people. You know that about big prophet. You know what God did to him? He was ministering. They just fell ill. He went and sat down, and he never came out again. You know when God wanted to do Balaam's strong thing? Now, donkey said Balaam. The angel said, if you had crossed here, that's it. They just said the prophet went on a journey. I have seen God wipe out prophets and family. You say, the devil? No, I don't understand who the devil is. When God wants to strike, devils too, they take over. No, when God wants to strike, the devil will say, guys, I'm a tempter. I'm not, a jo- I'm not going to join you die. <laughs> he will take cover. I've seen him do things. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. No saint dies except the Lord takes him. I don't care whether he was sinning as a saint or not. He will say, the devil, which devil? Devil, leave that. God has to decree the death of that saint. You cannot use any method. Let's bear those things in mind. All right? The Lord is good. So I was talking about prophecies. Prophetic words. So when God gives prophetic words, I just digressed a bit into people who are mocking holy things. They don't realize they were mocking him because of lack of understanding. They don't know that when prophetic words come, what you are supposed to do is to, let's go back to it now, do warfare with prophecy. You find promises in scripture. Don't just assume it will come to pass naturally. He says that in, in that Psalm 92, which I like to quote a lot of times, said they shall be old and be full of what? Sap. They will still be green in old age. So on the basis of that, I say old age is what? Not a disease. That having read through scripture, the only thing I understand old age is allowed to do for you is to make you wise. You've heard it. You have believed it. It's good. But you must understand something. Before you heard that, either from you read it from scripture like I did, or you heard me preach it, whichever way, before that you had heard all kinds of things. You had heard all kinds of things. You had heard people say that as you are getting older, you will get weaker. It's inside your heart. You've called your auntie and you said that, you know, at my age, arthritis will not let me rest. Your auntie had tied her arthritis to her age and told you about it. And you say, it's true, auntie, it's true. You went to see your father. You said, daddy, let's go and play ball. Yeah, ball. It's for small boys now. You know, my back. And the man is 60 or 62. You tied 62 to back pain. So unconsciously, you have been imbibing something for a long time. Which says, the older you get, the weaker your bones. Oh, and by the way, science teaches it all the time. You pick a book, it is there. They will tell you about how older people tend to break the neck of their femur. They tell you how if you fall, you are likely to bleed inside the head. 
And they are not lying, in quotes. They are not lying. I don't want to start talking about lies now, the devil now. When the devil lies, it's usually accurate. You see what I said? When the devil lies, it's usually accurate. Say so you will be like God, and he became like God. God himself testified. Man has become like one of us. <laughs> don't forget that. So be careful. When the devil lies, he's usually factually accurate. So the fact that something looks like accurate according to physical parameters does not mean it's not a lie. So the devil have told, he told you a lot of things. You've been reading it. I mean, doctors will tell you. I said, ah, where are you coming? I came to your house. I didn't see you. He said, yeah, me and my um, children went to go and play ball. Went to go and jog. He said, ah, do you think you're a small boy? A seed has been what? Soul. I'm not a small boy anymore. Be careful. Don't jump across gutters. If you land hard on the other side, you may break your spine. And your spine, the, the fracture may, may compress the disc. And the disc may bulge. And the bulge may press the spinal cord. And you'll not be able to walk again after running. Say, don't worry, doc, I'll be careful. Say, why? He said, it's your age now. You know, you're now more than 50. You have heard those things every, that is, you've, heard, you've been hearing them since we were young. They say, we're running now, you're still young. This is your time. You heard it, right? It's called what? Seeds. What do I call those words? And the, those wicked seeds. Many of us here, I don't know how many of you have farmed before. We're not in Lagos now. This is Enugu. Many people should have been to the farm. Why oh, you know there? As if it's everybody. There are people here. I've also been to the farm before. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, real farm, not a soy seed farm in the church. I mean. <laughs> okay, you know, these days, eh, just by the way, I feel sorry for children. You know, they got every second school is in the building. Yeah. Yes, sir. God has to break through upon us. Amen. So many of us, more, more, more of us will be like Covenant University. Say amen. amen. It's a prophetic word. We have to collect it. One day I went to secondary school. <laughs> don't even know how many games, things we had. We had a full-size long tennis court. We had bad meeting. Same place we did for, we used for volleyball. We had a full-size football field. We used to do relays around our field. We had everything. And we had a farm. That's where I'm going. You know what they call spear grass? Have you tried to kill spear grass before? That thing be like demon. <laughs> you can't spear grass. Enter you plant something. Those bad ones, and then they grow first. You will clear the weed. You have to weed. I mean, this thing, corn, it goes for mature in a few months. No, three months, Mark. You will weed. Unless you use pre-emergence herbicides, you will weed tire. Why can't good things grow that fast? You are just wondering. And it's a spiritual sign. See all the grasses they've been planting in our hearts since we're young. That old age is a problem. To weed it out, eh? You will burn with the fire of God. You will crush with the hammer of heaven. You will use all kinds of herbicides. Just as you finish winning that battle. And your friend will call you and say, oh, but at the hospital, you know we are old now. <laughs> he will plant for you again. You go look at You want to tell him, oh, but just did that hospital and die by fire there. If you call me again. <laughs> because this is you. 
You have been on a spiritual exercise to uproot these things for some days. The next day, somebody sows again. There's a constant sowing. That's the principle of the washing of feet. Because every day you go out, you are picking this nonsense all the time. What am I talking about? I'm talking about prophetic words. So even though you have heard, you'll be old and still be young. All the nonsense seeds that have been planted, growing like spear grass, stubborn weeds. I thought you are 55, they will give you back pain. Nonsense weed, you look at paper, you can't see again. Nonsense weed. Your son will say, let's run up the stairs. You take a few stairs, he'll be going, I'm coming. Because you are panting. <laughs> ha! You look at yourself. Instead of you to fight back many times, another seed will say, don't bother. You are now old. Now listen to the word of the Spirit. That's what I'm giving you. It is time, when at a certain time, you will take the scripture and become stubborn. Because prophetic words is for what? Warfare. You will say, now lie. Say, you can't climb the stairs again, I will climb. Say, doctor, take it, I'm not taking it easy. What if you die? Let me die believing God. I'm going to say something. That so you see the fact that prophetic words have been released does not mean that they will just come to pass automatically. You have to fight for the manifestation of those words. Fight. It is the reason God gave it so that you will be able to use it to fight. Because if he didn't give you that word, why didn't Abraham just go around one day, just come and say, ah, my wife, you're looking young. What's going on? And you are 19 years old. Look at your face. What did you eat that didn't digest? And then the stomach is shooting out. Then one day, Sarah Bones begin. Ah, ah, I start screaming. What happened? I don't know what happened. Though. I don't know what happened. No. Listen to me. That was not going to happen in 100,000 years. Because every natural voice has spoken and Sarah is not going to be at that child. Forget it. God had to give him a word with which to fight. He had to say to him, a father of many nations, I have made you. First word. He came again and said, Sarah indeed will bear you a child. He came a third time. Three different words. By this time next year. Those, <laughs> those were fighting words. Though. So Abraham will be on the field. They say that. Ah, I will go child. I say, no, 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 no. But the Lord said. That simple reaction is, is warfare. You are just in this called quenching the fairy darts. With the shield of faith. Those words are lifted. It's warfare. It's fight. It's fight. It's war. So you like that. You want to get up. Body pains in the morning. They say it's arthritis. Normally when it's cold like that, they tell you all kinds of stories. Then you now start checking which joint pained you first. The book said you start for the second joint on the left finger if you are right-handed. And if you are left-handed, you start from the third joint on the right hand. On the first finger, if you are, and then if you try to bend your neck when you are facing 75 degrees north, and, the, <laughs> and everything will happen just as you have written the book, then the conclusion will be yes, I'm at the age of getting arthritis. It's warfare. An enemy is fighting for your health, trying to snatch it. Then you reply, say, na lie. Old age, sometimes you don't have plenty to say. Just quote the things I've been telling you here. Old age is not a disease. It's only designed to make me wise. You now go straight to that scripture. That I will be old, but I will be full of sap. 
Then start considering the testimonies. Moses was 120 years old. His eyes were not dim. His strength did not abate. At the age of 85, Caleb led a charge against giants. It was spoken of, who was it now? As his days, so would his strength be. That was a word that was given to one of the sons of Israel. You quote those scriptures. You don't have to try anything strong physically. Just continue to fight, first of all, in your heart with those words. Eventually, those will begin to manifest outwardly. God gave us prophetic words to fight with. They don't just come to pass by themselves. It's because we believe them and we turn it to war. And when some things are important, don't joke with them. The world likes to mock holy things. I don't let them, I don't let that happen around me. I just people who are not believers, their jokes will crack, I will not laugh. You see something bad in our country, I will not laugh. We are fighting. Oh, it's fight, it's fight. They said, you are burning your head in the sand. I said, no. <laughs> My head is real out of, I can see everything. What you don't realize is that we are fighting. You are on the other side, I'm on this side. You are telling me to come over to your side and be talking nonsense. I will not agree. Once I was walking after learning some of these truths, years ago, telling you, what I'm telling you happened around 1990, which I went in 2022. This happened around 1995, 94, 95. I took a, a stick in the house and I I was putting it down, taking one step after the other, and as if I was walking with a stick. And somebody in the house said, hey, the key at 60. I didn't find it funny. At that time, I was in my early 20s. I said, at 60. Hey, the lady must have wondered what she did wrong. Because I took the stick. Can I use it as a stick? So I was holding like this. When she said, oh, duck at 60, I straightened my back, turned around, I pointed the stick at her, I pointed the stick at her like this. I said, he satisfies my mouth with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. I will never bend. Ah, eh? No, I don't let that one land. No plan time for my heart. it, It was reflex. I just took the stick and pointed. I said, he satisfies my mouth with good things. My youth is renewed. Like that of an eagle. And I added, I will never bend. I know they take bad in play. Okay, now. No, I know they take bad in play. I consider that a bad thing. I don't think it's funny. I didn't laugh about it. What sustains us physically is the word of God. Man does not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord shall a man live. That's an instruction to the people of the covenant. So he gave us prophetic words to fight. I just want to explain it again so that we'll understand it. So that man's publication, they were laughing at holy things. I can't remember my reaction at that time, but later on I remembered that prophetic list. And I said, no, the man was not predicting. He was prophesying, uttering the plan of God for his children. Some will laugh and it will rush. Just go over them. No blessing attached. Some will say amen to it as trivial as it might seem. They will say amen to it. And God will bring that blessing into their homes. So the man says something as trivial as many women will marry this year. Many men will get jobs this year. Many people will start businesses this year. And somebody 
You call that prophecy? Listen, that's prophecy. It's prophecy. As it's declaring, when you see the portion that's a young, say amen. That thing will branch and tabernacle in your house. You don't know where to look for where to stay. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. <laughs> don't let you, oh, no, no, you won't, you won't pass by like that. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So the man uttered the word, collected, said this word, dwell here. It will manifest physically in your life. When you hear prophecy, it's not a prediction. It's battle. It's battle. There's something not, not about God. If he, if he gives you 500 promises, the one you like, you take. The one you don't like, he will not fight you. But you have just cheated yourself. You see what I said? The one that your faith can receive, collect it. But the one you can't receive, you just cheated yourself. There are times in me I want to believe God for some of those prophecies. I know, so I, in my mind, Kai, it's an uphill task. Oh. Will I be able to stay till we get to the top of the hill and hit the flat ground where sustaining ourselves at that level will be effortless? That hill may appear frightening. But thank God I've learned the trick. I take that fear to God in prayer. Say, this thing you have said, I want to believe you for it though. I don't know how much energy I have personally to wait till it comes to pass. But let us start. I'm asking you to sustain me. I hope you are getting my point. So from the time you are young, start believing that scripture. That's Psalm 92. Until it becomes normal to you that old age is not a disease. Expect to, expect to play soccer and run around at the, time, at the time you are 60. It's not a strange thing. You wouldn't be the first. That's the interesting part. People have done it before you. So a man running marathon, and he was retiring from marathon at the age of 80. Is he 85 or 89? Do you hear what I said? It is something year old, retiring from half marathon. You know what they call half marathon? I'll tell you. It's running 21 point something kilometers. That just is 21 kilometers. You know what they call 21 kilometers? In case you do not know. No four corner. On the way to Port Harcourt. It's 21 kilometers from here, thereabout. This man was 80-something, was running it. Running, not walking. And you know the funny part when I read his story, I said, my God. They said he started at the age of 75 to fight depression. His wife of many years died. So his friend said, so that you won't get depressed, so start running. So he enjoyed running so much. He was running at 80-something. And I've seen a 90-year-old man before. It was a habit of his to run up the hill in front of his house every day. So to let you know, it's not, uh, it's not new. Don't think, it's not even, we will thank God for your life, but it's not even, it's not publishable. Many people have done it before you. So why can't you reach out for things that will have good examples? See small, small boys who are just 42. Because they want to oppress those who are 21. And I say, you know, we are not young anymore. They will stretch back, 42-year-old back. God never even remember Abraham's address that time. Never even call him. And you want to be harassed just because you want to show you are old. And because those of us who are older than you have oppressed you so much, then when you now saw where they are 20 something years old, now they say, ah, we old men <laughs> at 42. You're not even ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I beg you, don't use oppression to throw away your health. Are you getting my point? 
dead the young people. Can you outrun me? I do one funny thing once in a while. It's Reader's Digest I decided in my life for Reader's Digest. This is one of the problems of old people is that they don't do small children's play, so they lose their balance. You know, small children have a habit. Their life is not straight. If you tell a small boy, go down this way, he will climb the rails. I have really like that in my house. My children used to slide on it. I didn't stop them. I just said, please don't enjoy yourself. Because I remember when we were young, you had to, how can you have rails? And you not climb rails. Wait a minute. When I see my children doing things like that, <laughs> I just look, I check. If there's no imminent danger, I just, I just pass like I didn't see. Because I just say, hey, take it easy. Don't run into each other. One after the other. You know, just, but this, that rail, boys must do it. And the one children will do sometimes, you know, they just run, run on top of the rail, won't touch anything, then slide, and then come down. You know, I have a little habit. I don't care whether you fall or not. But that rail, you must run on it. Which story will you tell when you are old? As, since time I was young, I was very mature. What nonsense story is that? <laughs> <laughs> so Rita's Digest said, that that's the brain of old people. That they don't exercise their cerebellum, you know, the lower part of the brain that God gave us for balance. The day I read it, eh, I began to behave like a child. So in my compound, I do it. What do you call these stones that stay at the edge of um, interlocking? Curves. So I literally, my children do it. The curves near my sitting room window, they walk on it. Me too, I walk on it. Yeah, I walk on it too. I walk on it. I even play with my kids sometimes. Say, okay, let's see how long I can stay on one leg. On it. Yes. You can call me Agbaya. That's your problem. Look, it's just the that taught me that one. I let it long ago. So I now do silly play. If I see this like that, I will jump on top of it. At this age, will you believe? My, my bedroom is very big. Me and my children will have done somersaults there before. Yeah, do. It's my turn. Yes. Why not? <laughs> I'm not ashamed of the gospel. <laughs> Seriously. I run down the steps and I jump the last three. <laughs> yes, it's the will of God. You don't have to grow old by force, my friend. If you, you determine to remain young, God will keep you young. He said, if you jump, now you may break a leg. Those who did not jump, they broke a leg. What's the problem? They were just inside the car. Somebody jammed there. They don't break <laughs> If you break a leg, let me tell you, it will heal. Say amen. amen. But that I should not jump, I will jump. What if you jump and fall and die? Those who did not jump, did they not fall and die? Fear of death must not be allowed to keep us in bondage. What am I talking about? Prophetic words. We fight for the fulfillment. Because there are any, many enemies. And I described the enemies. The negative words we have heard over a long time. I heard Andrew Mark say, say something once. One thing I learned from him. He said, one day he was praying. And he was wondering, that, Lord, why does it take so long to get answer to prayer? And the Holy Spirit helped him to understand that answering the prayer is not a problem. It's unbelief. So that's when I preached the series, The War or the fight against unbelief. Is it unbelief keeps rising up to push the answer back? What's unbelief? Things that we have believed for a long time. Unbelief does not mean you don't believe anything. It means you believe the wrong things. 
Did you get my point? Yes, sir. Don't think unbelief means I don't believe anything. No, 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 no. Unbelief means the Lord says something, but because of something else that you believe, you cannot hold on to what he says. That's what we call unbelief. So unbelief is not an empty mind. It's a mind that is full of the other information. So unbelief is that you have received something which is not the word of God. And you are walking by it. So that when God comes and says something, God says, I'm giving you the promised land. And ten spies come back and say, there are giants in the land. We cannot take the land. You believe the ten spies. So you are not able to enter. The Bible says, because of what? Unbelief. But you believe something. It's just that you did not believe the word of God. So the man said, listen. He now realized that many times believing God for something, he has to take time out to fight off the unbelief. He has to take time out to fight things that are speaking against the word of God in his heart. Things that are planted randomly or deliberately since we were young. You know when you see the way they are educating children in some parts of the world right now, you know they are planting unbelief in their hearts. In many parts of Europe, Satan has made up his mind. You know that these old people are too stubborn. So he's going for the next generation. So in primary schools, they now teach children that there's nothing wrong with having sexual attraction to another child of the same sex. Now, so normal attraction, which young people have, just simple friendship. If you notice when children are young, their best friends are of the same gender. It's adults that will be saying my best friend is a woman or a man, you know? I lying to us, nonsense. <laughs> children don't have such nonsense ideas. For every child, if it's a boy, the best friend is a boy. When it's a girl, the best friend is a girl. And they are honest relationships. There's nothing bad about it. Is it I mean, they are going out to, like, uh, most of my children are boys, you know, just one girl in the house. Sometimes I would be feeling sorry for the girl. Because the boys want to go and play, and the homes they are going to play, it's only boys that are there. So you see, I say, I'm not going. I don't want to go. It's just a child's thing. But now they're not teaching them in schools. Trying to insinuate that those are sexual attractions. So the boys are going to grow up thinking that since my best friend is a boy, why don't I just marry him? And the heart is open for what the Bible calls the spirit of uncleanness. They are doing it all over the world now. Mostly in Europe and parts of America. Canadian side did long ago. Sinai climbs. Some of these Sinai climbs are the maddest climbs I know. Now in Europe, the one they are doing is that you don't have to tell the parents. Children are now encouraged to be transgender without informing the parents. Oh, yes, it's going on right now. No, these are not things that I'm making up. Just Google them, you find them there. Laws have been passed in the UK to allow such things. The child can go decide he wants is a boy, even though he's a girl. We know he's a girl. God knows he's a girl. The mother knows he's a girl. The father knows he's a girl. Just says, I'm a boy. And you can transition without parental consent, and you're only 13. How are they doing it? That's what I'm talking about. Sowing seeds in the hearts of these children from the time they are young. That's what the problem is. Seeds, 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 seeds. So as they are growing up, they are fighting. Listen. This is a war. War. 
So you now find somebody he's twenty something, he's finding it hard to hard to fight off the same sex attraction. And they say it's in his genes. Listen, as of today, even the ZBBC I read it in, they've done all the studies available. They've not found any gene for homosexuality. And if you know how lax we can be in those associations, just tie things that are not tieable. The Lord didn't give them something to even lie about. They can't explain it. But the young man can't fight it off. Why? Because since he's young, the seed has been sown. So what you are now seeing in his 20s is the fruit. Is the fruit. Doors have been opened for unclean spirits. Now the young man is possessed literally now. Let's look at the good side. Sow the right seeds in the heart of your children. And the hearts of children around you. So is so much that even if they go astray, one day they wake up, the seed will have germinated, born fruit, the fruit will carry them back to church. So I don't want to go to the fruit say, well, let me drop you there first. Because they've been planting me in your life. It's time for me to bear fruit. It will just be passing on the road. Somebody will say eternity. Say, where am I going to spend it? The person just trying to use eternity perfume, the person talking about it. If we hear something else, why? Seeds have been sown. Seeds have been sown. So we have to learn to do it in the positive side. Speak the word every day. Be sowing it in season and out of season. Remind the children of how come food gets on the table. It's a blessing of God. Prophesy over them regularly until the words are filled their brain, whether they are aware of it or not. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, that's how it works. That's the job of prophetic. Let's get back to it. So that man said he had to fight unbelief. Fight it off until the heart is now solid in faith. Nothing doubting. Having thought of all the negative words. So that the prophetic words will be activated in his life. So I'm just reminding us again of what prophetic words are about. So let's get back to our main message. I thought you open somewhere, right? I was just thinking it. So I was thinking that we should open where now? Where did I think loud? All right, I have not said it. Okay, we have been talking about this working of prophecy. That's just a reminder. And we're actually on a particular issue. We want to pray for our country. And last time I extensively, please, if you were not around last time, try and get the message. But I'll summarize in a few moments. That's in a few minutes. And that's the fact that I am convinced. Now, this is not written expressly in Scripture. But I'll tell you why I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced that this geographical entity we call Nigeria right now, God has a plan for it. And that plan has been altered by prophets that came in the last hundred years. Different prophets. But we have one, Pai Elton, who we all know about. I want to, we're analyzing how that prophecy will come to pass. We are trying to explain that it was given to us to do warfare. If we want it to come to pass, we will have to fight to make sure it comes to pass. Last time I explained... We read the number of scriptures, as one of them from Jeremiah chapter 12, that we find that God has plans for even Gentile nations. Geography is in his power. The Bible tells that to us clearly. He draws the boundaries of the nations by himself. And we said it's according to the number of the Israel of God. But my emphasis in quoting it right now is that he draws those boundaries by himself. And he has a purpose each time. 
And I'm explaining the purpose for this one we are in. The purpose is to showcase his glory. Is to show the redemption that we have in Christ as a race. It's springing up from here. And from here, it's bringing messengers, sending them far all over this continent and to many other continents and parts of the world that hitherto have been difficult to reach. I'm convinced of that. That we, this world is a battlefield. We're not here to enjoy ourselves. We are here to fight, to have the purposes of God, the plan of God, or the plans of God established. That's what we are saying. That's what we are saying. So what are we doing? The principles are true. Any country you are listening to this from, these are correct principles. But I am preaching at this particular point in time for Nigerian Christians to hear. I'm calling Nigerian Christians to understand that they have to walk, no, they have to work with God, working, you know, like laboring. They have to labor with the Lord until his plan is fulfilled. And it's required of them to do it. And they will be judged according to how well they dedicated themselves to doing it. Remember, you're not living for yourself. You are living for Christ. Paul said it like this. If you want gain, how do you do it? You die. If you want to live, it's to live for Christ. Paul said gain is when you die. Is that not what he wrote to the Philippians? If to, for me to live is Christ. That is, living is living for Christ. To die is what? Is gain. That right now, my life is to execute divine assignment. It's not a place of enjoyment. Enjoyment is given as encouragement, help, in the course of divine assignment. When people focus on enjoyment alone, they are judged by God. They are destroyed with Sodom and Gomorrah. They drown with the people of in the time of Noah. How do I know? Jesus said it like that. He says, such were they in the days of Noah. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, and they were being given in marriage. That that's all they lived for. They lived to better their own personal lives. So until the day that Noah entered into the ark. So when somebody makes the focus of his or her life, self-preservation, enjoyment, satisfaction materially in life, then God, Christian or not, judges the individual with the world. That's just the way it works. He does that. Those who will have been preserved will have joined Noah in serving the purpose of God. He will have said, Brother Noah, can I carry wood for you to build this ark? He said, that's what they were doing until the day that Noah left Sodom. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage, just living a life of routine, a life of enjoyment, a life of self-satisfaction in material things. Believers must bear it in mind. The only thing that makes life worth living and that makes life worth preserving as far as God is concerned is that the person is walking according to purpose. When you want to make your decision, I'm leaving Enugu, I'm going here, I'm leaving Nigeria, I'm going here, ask yourself, is this in the furtherance of purpose or what? If it's so that I can eat and drink 
I can marry and be given in marriage. And of course, no other things that go with that. I can buy clothes. I can buy a house. I can buy a car. Then you, listen to me, you will most certainly be judged with the world. That's with works. He died, Paul said, for all. He said, one died for all. That those who live may no longer live for themselves. That's the way it works. But that they will live for the one who died and rose again on their behalf. If you are not living for him, you shouldn't be living at all. It's not a Christian life. Let's bear it in mind. So if God has a purpose, ask yourself, how am I going to serve his purpose? How am I going to cooperate? Why do you think he said, if you give to a prophet because he's a prophet, if anyone gives to any of these ones who I'm sending in my name, that is, you are cooperating with the assignment of God. That's what he was f- focusing on. He wasn't like, when you find a prophet, uh, you tap his anointing. <laughs> I told you that one man was preaching one day. He said, why you have not been blessed? You are not servicing your prophet. Service your prophet. Engine. Pour engine oil on him. Anointing will break fluid. Add fuel. Everything is about me. Nonsense. That's not what God was referring to. God was looking at, listen, this woman looked and said, this is a holy man of God. He passes by here every day. He's going somewhere. He's running an assignment. He's doing something for somebody. The Lord. How can we make that work easier? The focus was not on how do I tap his anointing. It wasn't. We've corrupted those sound principles because of our fleshly nature. So when you say man of God, you don't want him to go without collecting something from him. The way you will do it, you will show into his life. That is a false doctrine. Why do I say it is false? It's about what he will collect. That's why I say it's false. It's not because I'm against giving to, to ministers. People give to me all the time. And I bless them for it. So I'm not saying that giving to ministers is wrong. But if you're like, no, no, I collect... When I started with one brother, he's not a senior minister to me. In fact, he's sorry, he answers me. I said, how is work? He said, oh, no, that work he was doing, I wasn't doing it anymore. I said, ah. So in my mind, oh, so this, that mission works, all that you do now? He said, yes. Was the days of checks. I don't know whether I went to my car or I had it with me there. It was in the church service. I took out a check and wrote him a check. I said, buy something for yourself. I wasn't trying to tap his anointing. Now, I'm not saying he's not anointed, okay? He's anointed. But listen to this. The way we behave naturally, I was a senior anointed man. I don't know what you're getting my point. Yes. If I speak, he answers me, sir. If he comes to town, he look, comes to my house and waits patiently till I come. But I just realized, that, ah, wait, oh, there's one work he used to do before. I said, so this is the only thing you do now. I had one beautiful mission work he used to do. He said, yes, sir. I said, eh. I just took my checkbook, wrote him a check. I said, please, buy something for yourself, for your wife, for your children. Because for me, he had a wife, he had kids, and they needed to eat. I just saw the guy on the spot. Take. What was my reason? I wanted his work to go. I wasn't trying to tap anything on him. Those of you are looking for who to tap from, just know you're a crook. A crook. Only. Oyoshi. Barao, your money not they come out unless it's bringing something. You don't know how to offer. You don't know how to invest. <laughs> the Lord is good. I'm talking about living for divine purpose. The woman looked and said, ah, this man is doing something. Let's cooperate with that. 
God is doing something on the earth. How do I cooperate with it? How am I a blessing to the work of God on the earth? That is what life is about. And I'm saying to you, take this as a prophetic word, even though you are not reading it directly from scripture, it's based on scripture. I've already shown last time that God has a plan for even Gentile nations. But now we can't even call the nations Gentile anymore because he has his people inside. So in each geographical delineation by which he describes his people, say to the church in Nigeria, he has the purpose. How do we work with him? How do we work with him for that purpose to be manifested is what we are talking about. We said three things we do. Let me remind us of those things again. For prophetic words will come to pass. One, prayer. Daniel saw the prophetic word in Jeremiah and did not say it will come to pass automatically. He went and prayed. Number two, words. Warfare of words and further prophesying. That which was spoken. The angel told John, you must prophesy again. You must prophesy again. So the word has been spoken. Now listen to this, very interesting. Satan understands some of these principles, and because he's an adversary, always trying to scuttle the plan of God in our lives, he keeps our mouths busy so that we will not even have the space to do the work that God commanded us to do. Bear that in mind, just on our side. And number three, we say what? Holiness. And I use the word warfare because you fight for it. He said to Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Godliness is discipline. It's self-discipline. It's something you do deliberately. That's why I use the word warfare of holiness. And why are we saying holiness? Because he said, seeing that we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That is, except that holiness comes forth, the promises will not be manifested. What did Pilate say about this country? In preparation, I believe, for what God wants to do. I took time out to search it out before coming up this evening, just so I can quote some of them. Now, this is the one we have heard many times. He said, Nigeria and Nigerians have been known all over the world for corruption. Now, I heard he said this thing about a year before he died. Yes. And we're not known all over the world for corruption that time. Which year did he die? Who can remember? And we said it's 1986, so he must have died around 87 thereabouts. Mm-hmm. He said, Nigeria and Nigerians will be known all over the world for corruption. Your name, Nigeria, will stink for corruption. But after a while, a new phase will come. A phase of righteousness. People from the nations of the earth will hold to a Nigerian and say, we want to follow you to your nation to go and learn righteousness. That was said in 1986 by Pastor Sidney Elton. It's not a prediction. What was it? Prophecy, a prophetic word. He uttered a prophetic word. This is a prophetic word. And for a number of days now, I've been establishing that it's not a prediction. It's something you do what? You fight to bring into reality. God has shown you his purpose. 
his plan. She said, okay, who is going to work with me to bring it to pass? Listen, don't ever give personal self-preservation as an excuse for not working with God to bring things to pass. Don't. Because sometimes I've heard people say things like, you know, if you don't do this, this this is how you feed your family. And what are they describing? How to join in corruption. This is until God raises enough Christians. Let me say this to you quickly. Nothing new. I've said it many times before. When God went to Sodom and Gomorrah, he didn't go to church. How many people come to church? We have come again. Father, we have come again. Holy Ghost, come and take control. He didn't go to church. You know what he did? When he was looking for those 50 and then 10. Don't decide with 50. Then 10. Let's just look at the 10. If you find 10 righteous in there, I will spare the place for the sake of the 10. So God went. He said, let me see what that is exactly how they say it is. What he meant, he wanted to ex- ex- experience it as a normal person will experience it. So this was what he did. He walked around. He went to court and said, let me count the number of judges and magistrates that don't take bribes and the number of lawyers that don't offer, who don't pervert justice. He didn't check whether they were Christians, Muslims, or pagans. He wanted to count those judges that don't take bribes. Then he left there. He went to the newspaper houses. He wanted to count the reporters and editors that you don't have to pay before they report something. Then he went to the university. I wanted to see the lecturers that wouldn't change their marks because somebody slept with them or paid them. That's what he was checking for. He, wanted, he went to customs and said, let him see the customs agent that will do as the rule says and will not live there with money that's not his own, legitimately. That's what he was checking. When he was talking about ten righteous, you know when he said there is none righteous? No, not one. Some say, in fact, I remember I was talking to one, one lady once. Yeah. Along these lines. And I was saying the number of righteous people that Nigeria would When I mentioned the number, she looked at me like, ah, thank you. Are you trying to say they are not of that in Nigeria? I can't remember the number. But I didn't know how to tell her that you don't know people. You know, God will say, okay, I want to count only in the College of Bishops. And he won't be able to find. You know the College of Bishops? That is when the bishops gather. High-ranking clergymen. God will tell two of his, those two angels, say, come, let's go. Let's enter the meeting. Say, all these men, just count for me the ones that are not committing adultery. I tell the angels, so give me the, a review of their lives over the last one month. Where did they go? Where did they not go? We're going to check only two things. Those who don't steal, three things. They don't steal church money, they don't lie with my word, and they don't commit adultery. So they have a synod in Enugu. How many of them are coming? Say they are about 150. Say the angels, let's go. How many do we need to spare the place? Say three. I know you won't like what I'm saying, but God will sit down there with the angels, and the angels will be looking at him embarrassed. And then maybe you are the prophet that went with him, that you are arguing with him in your prayer life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are more than you require the shot of a Gomorrah. Because if I take you around Nigeria, it will take a long time. Let's just, go, let's just go to church. Not just church. Where your big bros gather. Then when, you, when, you, when you leave the place, prophet, you now kneel down and say, but God, you are a merciful God. And I say, ah, oh, now you know I'm merciful. When you were arguing with me that you were plenty. <laughs> Today, 
God goes around amongst clergymen. He can't, he can't count a sizable number. One brother sent us a testimony. I saw it during the night. I couldn't sleep. I started praying. I'll be honest with you. You know the prayer I was praying? He says, that's Psalm 69. God, please, let not those who trust in you be ashamed because of me. It was just a prayer. So don't let me tell them what is not true. Let me not utter words that you did not utter. Let me not give them wrong hope or refuse to correct them when they should be corrected. <laughs> because I realized God will go amongst them, he can't find. For me, one of the major things I know Christians, listen, I was talking about life. Life is not about preserving yourself. It's to be able to say, God, if you are counting, sure you can count me. I heard you are coming to Sodom tomorrow. And Lord, you know I live in Sodom. Please, I want to be counted. So please, what do I need to do so that between now and when you arrive, when are you coming? Six o'clock. Between six o'clock tomorrow, you will be able to count me. I'm telling you. That, you know, that's just an aside. For us to bear it in mind, Christianity is practical. It's not what we quote. It's what we do. Because when God wants to count, the one place he doesn't come counting is church. You know why? Usually people can't do many. The only few people that can do bad in church is just the pastor, his assistants, and those who count money. They are the only ones that can do anything bad in church. Apostle, who remain? They are not much more than that. Even those who watch cars don't steal it. There are just two people generally that do bad things in church. It's the pastor and the assistants and those who count money. Those who count money, they are, go to churches. If you are looking for armed robbers, that's where you find them. When churches are building, eh, there are pastors that are building at the same time. Deacons, ushers, building. Once church starts building, to the start they are building. By the time churches are having CCTV to account offering, you should not say Wahala Day. And even then, some people are experts. You know they call palming and sleeping. They don't roll the money. The way the money go work out, you don't enter the back of their boxes. The guy will put it like this. He do like the money done for you. Don't practice and move the thing. Bam. The money has arrived. What am I to say? Those are the things he checks. It's not those who are raising their hands. Oh, hallelujah. We just worship the Lord. Father, we begin to worship you. As your name is great, so is your worship, my marvelous. Oh, my. Say, worshiper, come and count the money. Many worshippers, they say, give them 150,000 naira offering to count. They submit 85,000. Some people are so bold. Please, Christianity is practical. That's the point I need to make. It is what? Practical. When God comes counting, he counts what we do. And the basis upon which we do it in our hearts. That's what I'm going to say. He counts a life of righteousness, a life of holiness. And I'm challenging believers again. Just say to the Lord and say to yourself, I did not join them to do this one. Just say it. The Lord, this one, let it be that I did not join them to do it. Because when it comes counting, he doesn't care whether you went to church or he did not. It's part of his righteousness. He can't judge the stealing unbeliever. As long as the Christians are stealing, we spoil his ability to judge. So we have that prophetic word, and I'm teaching the body of Christ in this season that we must activate it. It's like the song of Moses. Moses sang his song, the one we have in Deuteronomy chapter 32, before the people sinned. He knew they were going to sin. A day will come when they will sin. But this is what they will do to come out of sin. That is, 
things were said long before they happened. We taught here that time a few years ago on the Song of Moses. You can Google it. Uh, sorry, if you can search it on our website, Song of Moses. In the same manner, that's what this is like to me. The man said these things before they became, before they began to happen, or when they were still very small, or when corruption was still very small. He said, Nigeria and Nigerians will be known all over the world for corruption. Your name, Nigeria, will stink for corruption. But after a while, somebody say, after a while. while. He said, after a while, a new phase will come, a phase of righteousness. He said, people from the nations of the earth will hold to a Nigerian and say, we want to follow you, you to your nation to go and learn righteousness. So we have an assignment to make sure that happens. That's why I planted you. That's why I planted me. That's why I planted us here. To ensure this happens. And I'm teaching what we have to do. I've alluded to it several times. Warfare of holiness. We must first be examples in our practical lives. We must first be examples. You know, there was one man, I think I, I told the story. Somebody forwarded this a, a, a television program, I think a Christian TV, I don't know, but they didn't say, it may have been, but you know the way they cut clips and share around. This was shared on uh, Facebook, and because I don't do Facebook personally, it was difficult for me to save the clip. So each time I show somebody, I have to send the Facebook link. Otherwise, I would have really loved to take that video and share it around. But this happened. A guy in Liberia, using a very old phone. In fact, the reporter said, this dinosaur. This is your dinosaur has Facebook. Those ones that Facebook is A, B, you know, one, two, three. A is Facebook. B is uh, YouTube. You know, those tiny phones that are like two-inch screen. You remember them? You had them those days when, before God blessed you. Remember? Yes. Yes. <laughs> or the early days of your blessing. <laughs> so this guy got a message from this man. said, my name is Joel something from Liberia. I was hoping you'd be able to help me financially and with business opportunities. So this white man, young man, did something. Thought that, ah, scammer from Africa. Let me play along. He said, I'm playing with the guy. So what is that? What kind of business do you think we can do? The guy said, all right, can you mail used electronics? I gave him an address in the U.S. That if you mail it there, because they will ship it abroad to me, I will sell. Then we'll split the, the money. So the guy said, well, he thought it was all a scam. So he wanted to know, how do they play this scam? Let me just see. Let me enjoy myself while this guy is trying to scam me, and he will not have time to scam somebody else. So let me just play along with him. So he went online, checked the address. He saw the address. They packed a lot of old cars and stuff. They won't run down place. He said, wait, look. He didn't know what to make of the place. He said, I have an idea. He told the guy. He not lied to the guy. That I'm a photographer. I have a photographic business. Can you send me pictures from Africa? So the guy used his dinosaur phone to take sunset. Of course, he apparently didn't know what sunset was. He just took some rubbish and sent to the guy online. And the guy lied again. The white man lied to him again and said, look, look this is not, um, he said, this is good, but it's not exactly what I want. You need better equipment. So he went, bought a small camera, put it in an envelope, and mailed it, said to the guy, where do I send it to? The guy gave me his address, sent it to the guy in Liberia. To his surprise, this guy took pictures of, you know, just, you know, the way CNN would say sights and sounds. Uh-huh. Just took sights of Liberia, markets, people walking, children in school, stuff like that, and sent to the man. 
and said, okay, these are the pictures. And the pictures were good. So this white man said, well, now there's a problem. If I don't do anything with these pictures, I'm now the scammer. And I didn't know what to do with the pictures. So he thought about it. He said, okay, let me make an e-book or a book out of it. So he made a book out of it and decided to sell. To his surprise, he thought he would just sell maybe 10, 20, 30 copies. He sold hundreds of copies. He now had $1,000 from the guy's photograph, photographs. So he, called, he sent the guy a message again saying, well, our business is moving. I have $1,000 here, 500 for you, 500 for me. But I will give you the second $500 if you promise to do something. He said what? Give it out to charity. So the guy said, no problem. So he wired him the second $500. I haven't given his own $500. He wired the second $500. Next shock of his life. This guy actually took the $500. The reporter said, note, in Liberia, $500 is equivalent to an average person's one-year salary. This guy took $500 to the market. He bought books, bags, pen, you know, school supplies, hired a vehicle, and went to three or five schools sharing to children and took pictures and sent back to that fellow. Ah, the guy was like, this guy is not exactly a scammer. That's how they became friends, real friends. He flew to Liberia to come and visit him. Now, he was now under pressure to find what to do next, you know? So one day they said, let him come and visit. Now, why I'm telling this story is not all of this. The reporter now said, wait, oh, they sent you $500. Why didn't you cross your mind to keep it? The guy said, it will be stealing. All this story, that's where I was going. The guy said, no, now we made an agreement that I'll give it out. He said, if I took it, I will be stealing. If I call the book, they publish by the grace of God. Because the guy used to say, by the grace of God, in his mail, you know the way Africans talk, by the grace of God. So this guy gave him a scammer, by the grace of God. But only to encounter that this guy really meant it. The guy said, no. He quoted one particular scripture. That no, that's stealing. That a man has to be faithful. A man has to have integrity. I told him I would send the, spend the $500 on charity. I had to. The reporter was weak. <laughs> Everybody, if you watch the video, tears will come from your eyes. The man that gave up $100, his children live on the, they have just some foam on the floor in the house they live. What did he do with his own part of the money first? He bought zinc, just re-roofed his house. He was staying in one run-down piece of property. I told the story to bring up that point. They said, why didn't you take the money? He said, that would be stealing. You know, many people don't take anything of it. They just eat the money and think it's okay. I'm talking about what? The warfare what? Holiness. But I said we should read some scriptures. I pray we can get to what I'm trying to do today. Anyways, we are teaching. So let's bear it in mind. First of all, we must be an example of what we are looking forward to. He said, this country, and that first part has been fulfilled. True of us? True of us? That second part will be fulfilled. True of us? Now, we are the bridge. I said you should notice something earlier. He said, but after a while. Did you notice that? He said what? After a while. So that after a while is what I want us to read first. First Peter chapter 1. We're going to come back to Amos chapter 5 in case I forget. Remind me that I said we're supposed to read Amos chapter 5. Second Peter chapter 3. From verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now notice that day. No, let me just back up. We've seen a lot of things about God's promises. From verse 8. He said, but do not let this one fact 
escape your notice, beloved. That with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. But is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish. Please notice the word perish. But for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Please bear it in mind again. Talking about perish, then another word, holy conduct, or another expression, holy conduct and godliness. What manner, what sort of people ought you to be looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth, in which what? Righteousness dwells. Let me stop reading here. Look at a principle. We are looking forward to a new nation. We are looking forward to new heavens and a new earth. We are borrowing from this principle. It's an eternal principle applies not just to this, but to many things in life, and particularly to this promise, or the promise we are describing here. Notice that we are looking forward to a new earth in which righteousness does what? Dwells. Elton said, your country will experience a new phase of what? Righteousness. So we are looking forward to a new nation in which righteousness dwells. Is it connecting? Yeah, it's connecting. It's, it's connecting. But... What precedes this righteousness, this day of righteousness? Let me show you. It said the heavens will be destroyed by burning, and the elements will melt with intense heat. That is what precedes this day. He said that day will come like a thief. The heavens will pass away with a roar, and elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burnt up. That is, the old must be destroyed with intense heat before the new will be able to come. He said, but God is not slow about his promise. He only appears slow because for him to bring forth the new nation prophesied by his servant, he will have to destroy evil. He will have to destroy iniquity. But he does not want any to perish But let them come to repentance before that day. Because the day we come, it will burn. It will burn. It will burn people. It will burn property. It will burn bush. It will burn land. It will burn, again I say it, people. Evil people will be destroyed. It will happen visibly. That people will know that evil does not pay. They will do righteousness out of fear. That is, like, leave me, I don't want trouble. It will happen because, listen, that must, see, listen. You are looking for a new thing, just know what to precede, precede is a terrible thing. You are looking for a new nation. 
terrible occurrences will precede it. He said, but good cheer, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He said, listen, if you want to be spared in the day of burning, make sure you walk in holy conduct and godliness. And as God lives, you will be spared. Yes. I'm giving us the order of things. I don't like to say this, but I look at many of the calamities we see around. I say, why is it troubling you? Are you not praying for a new nation? Say, we are. Then get used to it. It will tarry for a while. It will continue for a while. It will be intensified. And I don't want you to be scared. I don't want you to be afraid. In fact, the more you pray, the more it will happen. Then one day, it will stop all of a sudden. Then what you have is a new nation. That's the way it works. Peter now said, so what do we do? He said, it's possible to hasten. We looked at it just now. Which verse is that? Help me out here. Verse 12. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and doing what? Hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. How do we hasten it? Now, I'm going to talk more about the warfare of holiness as we go on. I'm not, I don't think I'll pick it as a specific topic. But as we're discussing, I'll be dropping it here and there. But what I want to leave with us today, so we can close shortly, is that you have to ask God to come and judge. Now, let me say this. This will be the last part of the message for today. We probably will pray next time. I'm just thinking how much time I'll have. I hope I finish teaching this. Maybe next time we'll take the scriptures. I'll prepare the scriptures. God helping me. I'll go straight to the prayer. That's my plan. I pray the Lord will bless it for next time. It's been terrible, you know, for us as a people to have preached an incomplete gospel of God. The gospel of the kingdom has never been a sweet, soft gospel. No. The gospel of the kingdom... You understand, when it was preached, the people knew that it's a takeover. I don't know whether you get my point. Yeah, it's always a, it's a takeover. It's one reason why the Christians were persecuted. Because they preached that another king is coming. I hope you're getting my point. The gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said it, um, Simeon said it. This one, this child, has been ordained for the rising and the falling of many in Israel. Falling is part of it. It has been a terrible thing for us as believers to have preached to ourselves that God does not kill. That God does not judge. Listen, it is a wrong gospel. It is wrong. Not only for us to believe that, but for us to neglect to say to him to come and judge. You know, recently I, I heard some things that people do. The one you were just seeing us the other day. Some people will just sit down. Now, I'm going to tell the story. And once I tell the story, I pass judgment on them. Hmm? Because the father judges no man and he has committed all judgment to the son. So don't think I'm being weak. I don't mention anybody's name. It's a principle I'm fighting. So he said that these men will sit down. They will have um, people that, what do you call them? Informers. They go look for land that they think the owner is not very strong. Then they will forge papers and sell the land to a willing accomplice who knows it's forged. 
for a small amount. And then they tell the person to go and start developing the property, waiting for the real owner to come. And when the real owner comes, they've prepared everything. They know you're not a very strong person. They know the loopholes. They know. So they prepare all the paperwork, and then they are ready for court. Because they are so smart in it, they often win their cases. Then when they've won the case, they resell the land that maybe they bought. Let me just give a figure. They invested like $2 million in the quality sell it for like um, $15 million. So them and the accomplice, they split the profit and the informer, and they keep on doing deals like that. And they sit every day and plot this. When I heard it, I said, people are foolish. And listen to me. Except God is dead, which you know he's not. Every single one of them will be judged. Amen. Now listen to this. All the houses they build with that money, they will not sleep in it. Amen. They won't sleep in it. Now remember, I'm not predicting. I'm doing what? Prophesying. I'm activating their judgment. I said, you sit down and plot this. My God is alive. Father God, we activate your power over this region. Amen. You heard what we said. Go after them. That's all I have to say. Ha ha. Waiting. It saddens me. I don't like to say this. So I pray this one simply. Pastors will come to church. And as you are coming, your problem is not what they are saying. Your need to know Christ better is not what they are saying. It's how much can drop from your pocket. Father, again, we pray. They are your children, so have mercy. But mercy or no, that has to stop. Yeah, mercy or no mercy, that must stop. Do you know why? Because the new earth, in our own case now, the nation of righteousness will not show up. Until the Lord has planted his feet. I'm sorry. I have to say this because it's the word of God. The new earth will not show up until the Lord has planted his feet in the blood of his enemies. He will. It doesn't show up until he plants his feet in the blood of his enemies. And you know those who call his enemies? Enemies of righteousness. That's what, those are the people he calls his enemies. They are enemies of righteousness. That's why you hear me pray a lot of times. We are praying here. Saying, Father, it will not be said anymore that the crook is generous in our nation. That's what I say. You know about a big Oga Olopa that was arrested yesterday. I see some of those things as divine warning. I'm sure all his friends did the P now. You know the, the P. You know they call P? Inside trouser. It's going on right now. Because strong men can sing. Yes. You know what they call sing? Some people think sing is, a, is, a, is, a, is David. I don't mean David. Though. Now, I, I open this paper every few hours to see anything that's... Yeah. You will see this with politicians. Amen. You will not see it with preachers. Because God will not let you see it, but he will do it. You hear what I say? Not because he won't do it, but because he just won't make a public show of it. So it's not as if you will not see it like it won't happen. But God said, no, why shake the faith of many? Let's do these things personally. Let's do it secretly. But doing, he will do it. He will scatter the houses of iniquity. 
He doesn't care the size of the cathedrals built over them. All the houses of iniquity will be scattered. You see, it's a necessary prelude to the new earth. So when Pilate said what he said, it gives us hope. But God said, it's not just hope we're dealing with here. Cooperate. Let next time God helping us, we'll bring the scriptures together and just read those scriptures. One of my favorites is, guide thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, and ride on prosperously and in majesty because of truth, and let your right hand do awesome things. Psalm 45. Let's just read that. Listen. Let me say something on behalf of the Lord. To those of you who want to turn church to business, if you are looking for money, please go and import things. Go and grow cassava and make gari. It's good business. Church is not business. Because we release the decree of God against every assembly started as a business. Father, scatter it. Amen. Heavenly Father, scatter it. Amen. Everywhere people are called to gather around the name of Jesus. But it is for financial profit. It's for pecuniary gains. Lord, we ask you as your people, scatter that place. Because the light of Christ must shine. All these obstructions must go away. He said in verse 3, Psalm 45, Guard your sword on your thigh, O mighty one. In your splendor and your majesty. And in your majesty ride on victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome things. Notice what I said earlier. Your arrows are what? Sharp. The peoples fall under you. Your arrows are in the heart of the king's enemies. It's not nice, but that is what he's going to do. It doesn't feel nice, but I'm telling you, this is what the Lord is going to do. And you know what he said? That I want my people to activate my judgment against iniquity. We have preached a gospel that does not allow prosperity, true prosperity to come. Ah, you know, this is not a bragging point. It's a truth point. I say to Nigerians that if God gives me the opportunity by his power, I can end corruption in Nigeria two years, maximum three years. So, Pastor Banga, you come here for president. No, who wants to be president? Was President Buhari able to do much about corruption? According to Professor Sagi, that when President Buhari came, he couldn't see clearly that the corruption was so intense that he could not navigate. That all the initial arrests and all of those they are carrying, he said it was them trying to remove the cobweb so they can see where the road is. The road of corruption. And if you know what they call corruption, forget President Buhari can't do anything. It's not within his power. So I don't want to be president so I can stop corruption. How will I stop corruption? I go to Khan and PFN. That is where I will campaign. And if Khan will do what I say, and PFN will do what I say, they will end corruption in maximum three years. It's very simple. Read your Bible very well. God never is like, hey, we have been blessed, we are not cursed. There is a curse, permanent. Jesus couldn't remove it upon iniquity. Children of God that walk in sin and will not repent, they are under a curse. They are blessed with the Jesus. Yes, in Christ. Iniquity is outside Christ. You can choose to walk in Christ or walk out of Christ. 
Did John not say to us, if we claim to know him, but we still walk in darkness? It is possible for a Christian to walk in darkness. The truth is not in us. If the truth is not in you, you are walking in darkness. And you cannot be walking in darkness and tell me you are under a blessing. No, it doesn't work. So say, Bank, what will you do? It is simple. I'll just go to PFM and come. And we write down, Israel had the mountain of blessing and the mountain of curses. We have blessed people enough. We will not give them the judgment of God against iniquity, against corruption. And we will read it every service. Every service. If every church in Nigeria, not every, you can't get every to do it. I'm criminals, they won't do it. But if a large number of churches will do it across the country, watch it. The corruption will die. Because it's a spiritual force. We cast it out from that place. When the people of God learn the fear of God, the world around them will follow them. You know why the world is prospering in iniquity? They don't see fear among those of us that claim to be the people of God. They don't see it. They don't see it. I've heard people say things like, somebody say, I'll report to your pastor. He said, my pastor, that's not the problem. I'll give him money. Why do you think politicians like to come to church? If we're preaching the truth, they won't come. They know once, we give our, once they give their offerings. We can't preach against corruption. We can't pre- we, that's the problem. So if we, if we detect that you don't need to preach it to, I'll just give you what to read. As a minister, just read it out at the beginning of service, at the end of service. And let the people say, Amen. Once they say it like that, see, it's not that it's, a, you, it's not motivation. It's not motivation to stop. The word is activated. And when that word is activated, Ananias will die. Safira will follow suit. And the gist will go out and great fear will come upon the people. That's the way it works. It's not motivation. It's that you activate the word. Ananias will die. Safira will follow. Fear will come upon the congregation. Let's bow our heads. Let me read that prophecy to us again. It says, Nigeria and Nigerians will be known all over the world for corruption. Your name, Nigeria, will stink for corruption. But after a while, a new phase will come. A phase of righteousness. Now begin to say to the Lord, we look forward to the coming of that phase. Say to the Lord, just have a minute. Say, Lord, I ask you for that phase to come. I ask for that phase, the phase of righteousness. Lord, we ask you for that phase, the phase of righteousness. Let it come upon this land. Let the phase of righteousness come. We pray for Nigeria, for your purpose in this nation. That phase of righteousness is going to ignite the fulfillment of divine purpose concerning this geographical entity. Lord, we pray that that righteousness phase will come. The phase of righteousness. Let it come. Let it come. Come, Lord Jesus. 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 Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Let it come. Let it come. Let it come. Pray. Let it come. Let it come, Father, in the name of Jesus. This is what we are looking forward to. Let this phase of righteousness. Let it come. Let the phase of righteousness. We pray for this country, Nigeria. Lord, the phase of righteousness. Let it come. In the name of Jesus, let it come. That's what we're asking you for. Quickly, as I step down, please open your Bible to that Psalm 45. Let's read it together. 
Just as you are seated there, just let's read together. We are going to read from verse 3 to verse 7. Are you there? From verse 3 to verse 7. Want to let's go? Get your sword on your side, Almighty One, in your splendor and your majesty. And your majesty ride on victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp. The peoples fall under you. Your arrows are in the heart of the king's enemies. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of uprightness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your fellows. Listen, people of God, Jesus hates wickedness. Not only did he depart from it, he hates it amongst us. And if we don't want to see his wrath, we must depart from wickedness. You know, he said, your right hand, let it teach you awesome things. If you read some translations, he said, go forth and perform all inspiring deeds. What is that all inspiring deed? Your arrows are sharp, piercing your enemy's hearts. The nations fall beneath your feet. Listen to me, people of God. Don't hide behind a believer and think that the arrow of God will not come. No, that's the mistake people make. Go and read your Bible well. Paul, when he spoke mostly against wicked people, he was talking about people who are wicked who call themselves Christians. John did that. Jude did that. Let those who name the name of the Lord do what? Depart from iniquity. Let's bow our heads again and say, Lord, do this work in our days. And while I commit myself to departure from iniquity. It's an important prayer.